Father, I thank you today for what you've already done in this midst, already using your kids to be the church, to be your church, laying hands and ministering to people, Father God. I ask, Lord, that you'll be with this service, be with the word of God. Let it challenge us, God. Let it sharpen us. Let it equip us to be who you've called us to be. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Thank you so much, Alex and the praise team. You all are so awesome. Appreciate you. Good morning, by the way. Sometimes I never see him until I get up here for this moment. But uh, I'm so glad you're here today. And as I shared briefly in the ministry time is I really believe that God, that God is calling the church, his church all over the world to move in the supernatural. And I'm going to be doing some series over the next few weeks that God has put in my heart. But we have to be a church that has to come out of our natural thinking. And we have to come into the supernatural thinking of God. That we can move by the power of God and see supernatural things happen. And I mean like cars start that shouldn't be starting. I mean your pantry never running empty because God is anointing your pantry. We can live in a season where we can expect the supernatural because one plus one does not equal one with God. We serve a supernatural God and God wants us to begin to move in these, believe him for things that are just crazy because he's going to show up and show out, amen. And even in my own personal life, I've had some supernatural moments where only God could have done what he did. And not only just supernatural things like that, but I'm talking about laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed, seeing blinded eyes open, deaf ears opening, arms growing out, tumors falling off. I'm telling you the church is going to move in the supernatural but we have to be prepared and we have to understand how do I align my life and my spirit up to expect the supernatural because the supernatural is not new to God it's not new to 2022 because he's like I'm going to show up in 2022 no it's always been there but there's things in the church that we've allowed and there's things that we have forgotten who we are, and that's the reason why we're not moving in the supernatural like we should. We're seeing little things, aren't we? We're seeing little fruits in the kingdom, but the church should be seeing an overflow of the most incredible miracles seen on earth. And I, some of the things I'm going to share over the next few weeks, I truly believe, is happening in other countries because they have not forgotten the principles of the word of God. You can go to South Africa. You can go to Romania, Costa Rica. I've been to many countries and preached the gospel. And there's an easiness that steps into the supernatural because the people are expecting. And they understand the spiritual realm. We have so many distractions in America. We have so many ways that the enemy is blindsiding us and deceiving us in this season that we have forgotten who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to be doing a series called Forgotten Virtues. And we need to bring some virtues back to the church of Jesus. Bring some virtue back into our life as Christ followers. Not just here on Sunday mornings, but a virtue that I live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Right? We need to begin to live as Christ followers on a standard by the word of God. If you really want to see the supernatural, we've got to stand on the supernatural word of God. And bring some of these things. It's not by works, but there are some things that we need to do as Christians to invite the Holy Spirit to move in the supernatural area of our life. So I have never felt more an urgency to present this message to you and the next one, which is going to be culture versus the church, because so much of the culture has come into the church. And the church of Jesus is called to change the culture. 
We are called to change what the world says. And unfortunately, we have become so much of what the culture says. And we're going to have to rewire that and stand up and be bold and courageous in this hour. If we don't, who will? Because I tell you, the devil's coming after the young generation. The devil's coming after your babies hard. And we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. It's not in my message today, but I have an urgency that we better have a baton to pass to this next generation that is fervent and on fire and not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and not watered down by what the culture thinks the church needs to be. Because I don't live by the standard of the world. I live by the standard of the word of God. Period. End of story. Amen. So this is the time that we're living in. So we're going to be talking about a lot of forgotten virtues, purity. We live in a very impure world, very. It's getting filthier and filthier as the years go on and quickly. We're living in a, a season where loyalty has been lost and friendships, loyalty to each other. It's so easy today to dispose of relationships. Like It's a cancel culture. Never seen anything like it. I will cancel you in my life if you don't believe everything the way that I believe, and I'll just cut you off. If you don't see that as demonic and an antichrist spirit, we do not have our eyes open. I am not woke. I'm awake to the word of God. I don't need to be woke to culture because culture will lie to me. But I'll be awakened to the spirit. The Bible says be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. And that's what the church is going to have to represent in this hour. Amen. And I want to shake that out of our church so that we can reach the world for Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about the virtue of integrity. You know, in, in the world, anything goes. Do what you want. What feels good. It's okay. we got to go back to integrity. What does the word of God say in our life? And then we're going to close it out with gratitude. We live in our, our young millennials that have, uh, not just to point out millennials, but unfortunately it is that spirit of the entitlement mentality where I'm entitled to this. I deserve that. No, we're going to have a heart of gratitude, and we're going to be thankful for the things in our life, thankful for the opportunities that we have. So today I'm going to kick it off, and I'm going to talk about the importance of honor. And honor is such a muddy line anymore today because there's anybody online who can give you a word from God and, and talk against what the pastors are doing or, or what churches should be doing, and they might have a word from God. And I'm not saying that they don't. But, you know, Paul talked about in Scripture that you can have 10,000 people teach you but have no fathers or mothers. And it's so dangerous that we're losing the honor of the role of, and I'm not going to just talk about the pastors today because there's many, and I'll, I'll share many in the word today, but there's something about honoring the five-fold ministry call that God places in front of you because God commissions certain men and women to hear the voice of God and be the instruction voice so that you can hear by the Spirit what the season of God is doing. And culture wants to take away the honor of that voice. Well, who do they think they are? And they are this, and they've done that, and there's all this division to remove honor from the voice of God. Can you see why the devil would want to make men and women of God's voice common so that you don't hear by the Spirit? And we're going to talk about that today. When you visit different cultures, and I've been blessed to go to many countries in the world, when you go into that country, the first thing you want to find out is what, how can I honor them in their country? Because a lot of countries have an honor system, things that, that you need to honor and respect. If you walk into their home, you, you shouldn't have your shoes on in many countries. You have to honor that. What would dishonor them? So you really want to go, if you're going to be a voice used for the gospel in another country, 
country and be respected. You have to learn the honor of that country or that region so that you will be respected and heard. And in one country that I went to, I went to Romania, and I uh, was preaching with pastors. I preached under a tent to pastors and, and leaders and youth ministry, and it was a wonderful time experience for me. And I really moved in the supernatural during that time. But while I was there, um, I didn't realize women weren't allowed to preach in Romania. I'm glad they didn't tell me before because I was preaching my guts out. They put me on the radio. Matter of fact, the governor of Ployes was listening to my messages while I was there. And because of that, one of the local churches, which was a gypsy church, Christian gypsy church, um, invited me to come speak. Now, the gypsies who are not Christians, it's very dangerous because the gypsies think Americans are very wealthy. There's been ministers that have wandered off alone. They didn't follow the culture, and they've been almost beaten to death uh, to be robbed and, you know, to be taken from. And so, you know, I learned very closely I'll go nowhere alone. So anyway, I was just praying, and um, as I was praying for my message for this church, I just heard the Lord say, I want you to uh, dress like the gypsy women. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. I wouldn't mind doing that. So I contacted, I didn't know why, but I just heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to dress like the gypsy women do. And which, it's so cool how they dress. So I contacted the lady who had set up uh, my, my visit there. And I said, I would, can you put together a gypsy outfit for me? And it was amazing. It had the long skirt, you know, and all the little blingies. And it was so super cool. And, and um, I didn't know why I needed to do that, but I just wanted to honor God and obey the culture. And so I showed up at this church, and it was packed out. People were lining outside. There was just people everywhere. They were hungry for a voice from God. And so I begin to just preach the gospel, and I begin to talk about healing and, and talk about prayer and the power of prayer. And I'm just preaching in this church, you know, the gospel. And all of a sudden, the pastor said, well, they want you to lay hands on them because they felt the anointing of God. And so people literally begin to line up the church afterwards. And I must have been there two hours just laying hands for people. Well, what happened was um, the women, they wore head coverings, you know, to honor and respect what they believe. Well, when they were coming up, they were removing their head coverings and saying, will you pray, anoint my head covering? I need to take this back to my family because my family needs healing. My son needs healing. And this happened over and over throughout the night. And the line just kept getting longer and longer. And they were so hungry for a move of God. And afterwards, the pastor comes to me. He goes, well... I guess I can tell you this now. And I'm like, what? He said, when the church found out that we were bringing a woman pastor, the women of the church got very angry. He said, they got very angry. <laughs> and I'm like, they did. He goes, they were angry. And they said, pastor, how can you have a woman preaching in our church? And they did not come in the building. And they stood outside. And they said, we were going to cause a riot. I don't even know. I should stop that because it's going to go off into another language. I don't even know. I wish I could do it because the effect is so powerful. But they were outside the building, and before church started, these angry women, about 50 of them, were going to start a riot and come in and shut down what was happening because it was not according to their culture for a woman to be preaching. But what they told the pastor is they walked in, and they saw me dressed like them. And they said, because she looked like us, we stopped to listen. And they said, we felt God. We felt God. Amen. And those were the very same women I didn't know that were coming through 
taking off their head coverings because they felt God. Listen, this is how the church needs to be. We have to get back to honor. And I'm not talking about old school honor. I know the church has abused this. You know, I know that pastors have abused this. And and it's unfortunate because that's never what honor wasn't about. It's not about kiss my holy ring and, and drive, pull up my Cadillac so everybody can see it and, you know, I can carry my own stuff, thank you very much. I mean, there's times I need help, don't get me wrong. But honor shouldn't be like you benefit from some glorious position because you gave me honor. No, honor is you respect the call on my life. You respect the anointing on my life. And when you pull on that honor, that mantle on that person comes off on you. You receive the supernatural anointing that's on their life that flows through them. Not because they're special. Because fivefold is not special. Fivefold ministry is hard. It's laborious. You live in a glass house. It's tasking. You are bashed all the time. You're criticized. You're talked against. You're, you're falsely accused. Fivefold ministry is not easy, and that's why the scripture says, "Don't do it if you're not called." The scripture says it. Why? Because every word that comes out of my mouth, I am held accountable by the Spirit of the Lord. Good, bad, or wrong, amen? So honor, I'm talking about bringing honor back into our lives in every way, not just in the pastoral way, and I'll talk more about that, but how can we bring honor back? If you think about someone saying from another state, well, how do I honor the United States? We have no honor here. We have no honor in our country. And the last three years, that honor has been ripped apart. Honor of our country, honor of our flag, honor of a love for our nation. Why? Because the devil wants to bring dishonor to the country so that we don't come together in unity and honor God so that the miracles of God can be released. I'm not talking about a left or a right side. None of that matters to me. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. It is clearly in scripture that we have to bring honor back into our hearts. Because where there's no honor, there's a limited ability for the Spirit of God to move. And that's why I'm fighting so strongly in this season to eradicate every place that would divide people. And putting a spotlight on it. And I love our church because you're so diverse. And it makes my heart so happy. Because this is what the church of Jesus Christ can look like. We can put behind all of our little idiosyncrasies. We can put it and we come together and we worship Jesus. And God will show up in the middle of that. Amen. You have to get back to honor. Even Jesus, as I shared the scripture with us this morning, was without honor in his own home. Jesus was limited because the people that should have honored him did not honor him. Matter of fact, they dishonored him. He returned. I'm going to share with you this story in the Bible, but Jesus was returning from a year of ministry. And during that year, think about this. During, before he came back to his hometown where he was born, where he was raised, I'm sorry, not born. But before that, he was out on the mission field. He was raising the dead. He was opening blind eyes. He was casting out demons. The woman with the issue of blood was seeking him out to touch the hem of his garment. Demons were coming out of people. All these miracles, deaf ears were opening. He multiplied a little boy's lunch into the supernatural. All of these miracles were happening until Jesus showed up in his hometown. Amen. 
So let's look at this in Mark chapter 6. Jesus left there where he was ministering and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many, heard him, many who heard him were amazed. What did this man, where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that he's been given and these miracles that he does? What happens? They begin to sense this power that Jesus carried. They sensed his wisdom. And Jesus showed up after doing all of these signs, wonders, and miracles, wants to put his power on display in his own hometown. But look what happened in verse 3. They said to him, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? Leave that up there for a minute. What happened? They sensed the power on Jesus, but the religious spirit in them wanted to make him common. Oh, yeah, I feel something on him, but isn't that just Joseph's son? Isn't that just, Remember, he's the guy who made the table that we ate dinner at every day because he was a carpenter. They made Jesus common. They took this guy, this man, a son of God that was moving in the supernatural, and they made him common. And the Bible says that they became offended at him. Remember I told you in the last days, many offenses are going to come. And if you study out that word offended, here you've got the son of God doing all these miracles. And he shows up at a place that says, we're just going to make you common, Jesus. We're going to make you smaller than who you are representing. And they got offended. And that word offended means this. It means they put a stumbling block in their way. Offended is someone that will come upon and trip, cause you to distrust, or cause someone to fall, cause someone to fall away. I'm telling you, the Antichrist spirit in the world is raising its ugly head. And it wants to make the voice of God common. It wants to make the supernatural common. Turn on Netflix. Every show, supernatural. Every flow, show, demonic. Every flow, showing everything but the power of God. And this false powerhood of the devil who's been defeated and stripped of all of his power. But the world's making him more supernatural and making the power of God more common. And the churches were bound, bound right. Well, that's right. I'm not going to pray for nobody. Because what if God doesn't move? We've made him common. That's why today I didn't have a plan, but God did. You laying hands on each other. When you do that, you take God out of common and you honor him. When you pray for someone, you honor him. When you lead somebody to Jesus, you're honoring him. You're stepping into the anointing of who Jesus is and the call of God in your life. And all of a sudden, the supernatural begins to happen. And Jesus said in verse 4, what did he say? Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. That's why it's so careful when you're in the same community every week and you hear the same voice most of the time is that you have to be careful not to make my voice common. Not to familiarize yourself with the nature of Barb Pruitt and the calling on my life. Amen? It's because why? There was no honor given. That word without honor, and I think I have it for the screens, atimos means to dishonor, to treat as common or ordinary. 
How many things in our life, and I'm not just talking about me, that we don't honor anymore? We've lost the honor in our marriages. You know, remember when the guys were on pursuit in the early days? Like, you would write poems. You would sing. Like, you would, you know, there's an honor given. You respect that moment. You pour into that relationship. And then when you get married, what happens? It becomes common. It becomes familiar, right? And we lose that honoring of one another, out honoring each other in friendships and relationships, in pastors, in our jobs. We go into jobs. This is an awesome job. And then the boss shows out to be a jerk sometimes, <laughs> right? But the Bible still calls us to honor, not, not take abuse, but honor. And in honor, when you do that, God will bless you when you honor the position you're called to. God will promote you. God will favor you when you stay centered in honoring, right? Don't make things so common that you lose the value of what God has put in your life. Amen? If you look at um, the opposite of without honor, honor means this. It's time. It means to value, to respect, to highly esteem, to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. You know, maybe some of you have bought things that were like assigned basketball or baseball. Does anybody have a bat or a baseball or something, a card or something? And, and you know, there's something about that ordinary basketball that had no value, but the second it's signed by somebody that brings value to it, we're like, oh. We mount it. We put it in a box. It's up on a wall. It's got a plaque on it. And we should because it has value. But that's how it is when we value things God placed in our life. When you honor it, you're valuing it. It's precious to me. Don't touch this. Don't touch my marriage. I know it's jacked up, but don't you touch it. Don't touch my kids. My kids are going to serve Jesus. My kids are going to rise up and call me blessed. Why? I am speaking honor. I value what's important to me. Don't talk about my church. Don't talk about my pastor. She ain't perfect, but she's following Jesus. Don't touch her. Honor her. Respect her. Lift her up. Not because I'm special, but honor raises up. You value what God, and then because you value it, you pull from it. And if you have a pastor or a leader or a mentor in your life that really is following God, pull on it. It's a reservoir. I will give you the kingdom the moment I open my mouth. I will love you back to life. I will take you from A to Z. But you cannot dishonor and expect the overflow. Because dishonor limits what God can do. Because if it limited the Son of God... It will limit in our lives. That's why the church of Jesus is not seeing the supernatural. We have lost honor. We have lost honor. We're treating things as common. Honor builds up. Honor believes the best. Honor values. Dishonor tears down. Dishonor believes the worst. It devalues. Honor fights for. Dishonor throws you under the bus. Amen. Dishonor tears down. I have this saying I want to give you. It says, respect is earned, but honor is given. See, honor is something you give. 
And respect will be earned later if you're following a good person, if you've got, you know, the good boss and there's a bad situation. In your marriage, you have to give honor. Well, they don't deserve it. Give it, and they will rise to the occasion. And honor is outgiving each other. Somewhere in my notes is you outgive each other. Once one begins the honor, those, well, I'm going to honor you. Well, I'm going to honor you. And you start all out honoring one another, and your marriage becomes blissful. Relationships become wonderful. They go deeper than ever because I'm going to lift you up, and I'm going to respect you. Amen? Respect is earned, but honor is given. Hallelujah. When you say, they're, when, I'll, I'll treat them with honor if they act honorable. But in, the word says the opposite. I will treat you with honor and with hopes you'll be honorable back to me. Amen. You remember when we were growing up, we couldn't call people by their first name. Right. They smacked upside the head. Right. It was Mr. and Mrs. or Miss. And I even do that. Some of you teachers, I call them Miss. Why? I honor their position. That they teach our babies. I honor the call of God in their life by not like just ginger. No, that's dishonor. She teaches our babies every Sunday, loves them, prays for them, prepares for them. Miss Ginger, Pastor Ginger, thank you for loving our babies. Thank you for giving of your Sundays. Thank you for buying the resources necessary. I'm honoring her for what she's done for our church and for our children. Amen. You should get your children's workers' names. And you should get them a card, and you should love on them like crazy. Because there are some that serve every Sunday. They are our silent sung heroes that you won't even know their name, but they show up every week. Let's honor them. Let's value them. Let's say thank you. We love you for showing up so that I can come and grow and be mature in Christ Jesus. See what honor does? It lifts up. And you think those workers won't go a 1,000 miles more for your babies because you gave them a card in Starbucks? Or Starbucks is of the devil. Let's go with um, Dunkin' Donuts or whatever. <laughs> Amen. We got to honor. Verse, verse uh, Mark. We're still in Mark. Okay, Mark chapter 6. I got excited. Verse 5. Where am I at? Jesus could not do any miracles there. Wow. He had just come off a crusade of miracles chasing him down. And yet, in a common place, no miracles could be done. Except they lay hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Do you see how dishonor produces lack of faith? Lack of faith limits the supernatural. And you wonder why the enemy wants to produce dishonor for each other, relationally, dishonor in every direction. It didn't say, oh, put that back up there, sweetheart. It says he could not do any miracles there. It didn't say he would not. Well, I'm not going to give you, uh-uh, he was limited by their honor for his position as the son of God. Do you see why we're not seeing the miracles we need? Why? We're praying all the time. We're fasting. Somewhere, honor may be lacking in our hearts. Honor for the house of God. Listen, honor for worship. We're so common with worship that every time we come together, we have an opportunity for the supernatural realm, but we've become common. Well, that's just Alex up there singing again. 
We love you, Alex. That's just the praise team. They sang that song. They beat it to death over and over. They don't do that. No, they don't. They're awesome. But do you see how our common approach limits our ability? If we came in ready, if we had our coffee out there finished, and we were in this seat when it's the three-minute countdown, and we're here to worship, we're ready to pull on the anointing, we're here to honor what God has put in position, I'm telling you, it will rock North Phoenix, Arizona. Because we're coming to church to honor worship, honor God, honor the word of God, and honor the unbelievers that are coming in these doors. We've got to learn that sometimes there's seasons that's not about you. Well, what's my purpose, God? What am I here on earth for? The lost? Your neighbor that's dying and going to hell? The drug addicts out there? The abused and broken and forgotten? That's what we're here for. Amen? Honor. When they come in, they will feel the atmosphere of honor. And that's why the shadow could heal people in the word of God. That's why they could take those things and bring it. It's not the item. It's their faith. It was the honor of the anointing that they were submitted to. Amen? He was, he was amazed by their lack of faith. Hmm. Who are we called to honor? Very quickly this morning, I'm going to go through a few. Biblically to honor. One is our parents. And I know that there's some that's been abusive and, and there's some that have been, that's been hard. And my dad was one of them. My dad was a man that was raised by an alcoholic abuser and told him at five, you're good for nothing. You'll never be anything. And he was unregenerated mind. He didn't know Christ. And, and his dad ended up coming to the Lord. He led him to the Lord. My dad led him to the Lord many years later. And as my grandpa was on his deathbed, he said, son, I need you to, to forgive me. And my dad was able to say to him, dad, I already forgave you. You don't have to ask for that. I already forgave you. When you came to Jesus, I let that go. And his other brothers struggled and struggled with bitterness and unforgiveness because they didn't know how to honor the father or the mother. Not respect, but honor. What does honor do? I'll pray for you. I will lift you up. I will respect the position in your life, even if it's not deserveable. It doesn't mean you stay in the abuse. It doesn't mean you stay in it. But I, my heart is going to honor because the Bible says when I do, I will have long life here on earth. And my dad lived a blessed life beyond and still is imaginable. And the other brothers slowly learned to forgive. And then their lives begin to be blessed because you can't hold on to unforgiveness. You can't change the way you were raised or not raised. It's awful. So many people have been raised horrible, but honor them and give them to Jesus. Amen. And move on. So Exodus 20:12, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land your God is giving you. I've heard so many children speak horrible things to their mother in the grocery store, disrespecting, kick and scream. And I'm like, if that was my child, woo. That Italian woman in me was coming out. Bop, 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 bop. We got it. Don't write me hate letters. <laughs> We're not teaching our children to honor, to respect authority, to not talk back. This generation has a mouth and no respect for authority. That God, It's clear in Scripture to honor authority. I don't even have time to go into it. We taught to honor authority. Not accept abuse, but honor authority. Amen? As parents, and this will be in my series coming up, 
the word of God is clear is that it's your responsibility to train your children in the ways of the Lord. Listen, it is not the youth ministry's responsibility. So many people try to default that, well, they go to youth group, they should be learning. No, we get them one hour, one hour at best, and maybe 20 minutes of their attention while they're here. I was a youth pastor, I know. Your job is to raise your children. Listen, it is not the government's job to raise your children. It is not the school system's job to educate your children. We have a principle of the word of God. And that has to be the final authority. No one teaches my children anything. If you want to teach them math, you teach them math. History. Anything else? I'm coming to knock on your door, teacher. Because I'm accountable, not the school teacher. Nobody except me. I'm going to stand before God. My own goddaughter came home with a piece of paper, and this teacher had an agenda that was not in curriculum. And it was like questioning God, God's authority, God isn't real, God, all these things. And I, me and Quinn were looking, and I'm like, uh, what is this about? Maya had enough sense to tell me. Guess who knocked on the principal's door? This girl. I was not afraid. I was not afraid. And I stood across that desk room and I said, this is unacceptable. I am a Christian and a Christ follower, and this does not line up to the word of God. If this is in the curriculum, then I'm coming in and I'm teaching these kids about Jesus. I will teach them about the word of God. If this is how it's going to work, don't play games with me. And you know what? Never happened again. Teacher took that paper, corrected that teacher, and it was done and over with. Parents, fight for your children. The world and the devil wants to indoctrinate them with the culture, belief system that is not biblical. And if you don't know what the Bible says, come and see me. We will help teach you what the Bible says about raising your children in the word of God. Because they do not live in the world system. Thank God they live according to the system of the word. Amen. Another thing we've talked about briefly, I only have a couple minutes, but is those who are in authority. Romans 13, 7 says, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe him, respect, then give respect. If it's honor, then give honor. You know, we pray. We should be praying for our country. We should be praying for those who are in authority. Four years ago and today, people, listen. It's scriptural that we are not to dishonor. We are to honor by praying and lifting up and let God be true in our country. Amen. Let God make a standard. It doesn't matter our political beliefs. We should be praying for our country and honoring the land that we live in. And I do not have time to go through scripture, but it is clear in there. But teaching our kids and ourselves, honoring teachers, honoring coaches. I think sometimes we honor coaches more than we do spiritual leaders in our lives. And we've got to be careful about that. Amen? All right. 1 Peter 2.17 says this. Number two. Number one was honor those in authority. Number two, we should honor each other. My gosh. And we've kind of got through the worst of it, but we should honor one another. Not bashing each other for what you believe and what you don't believe and who you voted for. and all. No, none of that matters. God wants us to honor and respect each other. It says honor all people. Love brotherhood and honor the king. We have to be lifting up one another. Put our differences behind us. And I preach that a lot. But 
Number three, our pastors and our church leaders. Amen. Honor them, not just me, but the ones who are serving in all capacities. 1 Timothy 5.17 says this, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. Double honor. Why? Because they've been put in a, a position to take care of your souls. They watch over your souls, which I'll read in a minute. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. It goes on to say, don't muzzle the ox that feeds you. So when you are coming in and you're, you're submitting to the pastoral covering and the teachers and the elders, and, and like I said, the children's workers, you're submitting and honoring them and you're not muzzling the word of God. I want to share a couple of scripture verses. Um, I just got to decide which one because there's a few. First Thessalonians 5, 12 says this, and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. And are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. You see how important it is to recognize those who are laboring and loving on them and honoring them. Why? So that I can be at peace. If we're not in dishonor, we're in torment with our soul, aren't we? We're tormented, tormented over everything. All right, one more. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, let me stop there because we're going to lose a lot of people. That doesn't mean as sheep that you're blind, unquestioning followers because you should be questioning the word of God. You should be making sure we're speaking truth and all of that. So I'm not talking about that. Like, you don't need to come to me if you want to take a trip. You don't need to come to me if, you know, you want to change your jobs or spend some money. No, that's between you and your pocketbook. So we're not talking about that weird control, amen? But it, it's, a, it's submitting to the discernment and the care of a pastor. It's accountability, amen? When the pastor says, let's go do this, you're like, yes, let's go do that. Let's do what God's put upon her heart or, or the vision of God, amen? So obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. Not controlling, but watching over you. I can't tell you the times I've went to people since I was a youth pastor warning them, gosh, God's put this in my heart and I just want to warn you. And they're like, don't control me. Don't tell me what to do. And it's heartbreaking because I'm called to watch over your souls, not control your decisions. But if God gives me an insight and a wisdom, your heart should say, speak to me. And then I will get a confirmation. I will, my husband and wife will pray about it. You don't have to take it as the word, but saying, I'm going to submit to the anointing on her life that she may hear and see things because she's way ahead in this journey than I am right now. Not prideful. But just God says, I watch over your souls as those who will give an account. I have to give an account. And I, I've never felt more as a pastor in this season so bridal. I have to be careful what I say. And what if I offend them? Oh, that's bridling. If honor was theirs, like speak truth. And you do honor and you do give freedom for truth. And I'm so thankful for that. All right, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Isn't that good? If I can run this race with joy, I can hear the voice of God. I can run with joy and endurance to do what God's called us to do for such a time as this. Amen? All right, let's close this up. What's the last one? Our pastors and our church leaders love one another. Let me close with this. The reason our culture is dishonoring is because people are not honoring God. 
We've lost our honor to God. Amen. Not all of us, but I think we can recognize areas in our life that maybe God has become common in, in areas of our life. All true honor is born out of a heart that is surrendered to God. Amen. Let's not become familiar with God in this season. Let's have a heart that wants to be righteous before God. Let's not look to God as he's the big guy in the sky. There's a saying, I'm not saying it's wrong, but some reason it gets me. It's like, well, God's got you. God's got you. That sounds so common to me. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's more than got me. He is in control of my life. There's a reverence that needs to come back to honoring God and who he is. He is the soon coming king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is coming back with a sword in his hand. Amen. And righteous and coming back to him for his church. Let's not treat God as common. If we do, we will see limited miracles that God wants us to see. When we honor God, we'll honor his people. Amen. When we honor God, we will honor his people. We'll honor one another. We'll honor authority when we're truly honoring God. Let me close with this scripture verse, Isaiah 29, 13. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We just need to let that be a heart check, amen? amen. We don't want to just be honoring with our, our lip service and showing up. Let's say, God, in this season, I want to honor you with my heart. Whatever you ask of me, whatever I need to let go, I'm going to let you be God in this moment. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church, God. I thank you, God, that you are releasing an atmosphere of honor. Father, God, honoring our covering as bishop and pastor glory and honoring the call in my life as the senior pastor of this house, God, honoring our pastoral leadership and those serving, Father God, and honoring one another, Lord God, that we will bring back a heart of honor that lifts up and not tears down, God. Trouble our hearts, Father, for the things that trouble you. We want to lift up your name, Jesus, so that all can come to you. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus. What a beautiful opportunity to say yes to our risen Savior. That he died for you and rose again. And you can spend eternity with him by saying yes to this free gift of eternal life. And maybe you're here and you've just been away from God and it's time to come home. God is calling you home. He's saying welcome home. But he's saying you got to receive me. you got to repent and let go of some things in your life. And let me be the Lord in your life. Whatever circumstance you're in today, I want all of us to say this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord be my savior give me honor honor to lift you up forgive me for making you common in jesus name amen and amen
can all look at me. Listen, we have a discipleship program coming up in a few weeks. Pastor Paul is going to be teaching it. I want you to get registered for that, especially if you're a new believer. We want to help come alongside of you. You need mentorship. Amen. You can't do life alone. We've got to do it together. So I highly encourage you to do that. We also are releasing our Discover More class, which is our membership class. We're bringing back. So if you've been newer to the church the last couple of years, you'll be able to be a part of that and you'll get that information. All right. I love you all so much. Ladies, sign up for the tea party and I'm going to welcome Pastor Lonnie to close out our service this morning. Wasn't that a great message? I mean, I'm taking notes down there because there is so much that is very uh, appropriate for today. Uh, As was mentioned earlier, if you are a first-time guest today, please fill out a Connect card. We want to get to know you a lot better. Take it out to the main desk. There's a gift for you out at the uh, service area. And we're so grateful that you're here. Thank you for taking time. As we enter into another aspect of worship, Deuteronomy 26 calls our giving an act of worship. And as we begin to worship, if you're a first-time guest with us, don't panic. We didn't bring you here to get into your wallet. That's next week. Right now, we just want to honor the King with our giving. We love to give in this house. And I want to read some scripture for you. It's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And it's out of the Amplified Bible. It says, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. But he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Now, we've heard that before. Because as you sow, you reap. But I want you to hear this next verse. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart. Giving is not just something we do at the end of the service. It's something that we've got a mind made up and we purpose beforehand. I would tell my church, and I tell our churches all over the globe this now, if you ever feel like somebody's twisting your arm to give, don't. Don't do it. Why? Because the very next part says this, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in their giving. If you feel compelled like somebody's twisting your arm to give, your heart isn't there. And wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. Where your treasure is, your heart's going to be. So we want to make sure that when we give, it's because we've made up our mind. We've purposed in our heart, I'm going to do this. And then God's able to move. Why? Because the very next verse says this. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, everybody say always, and under all circumstances and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work every good work and charitable donation. Think about the day when it doesn't matter what the, what's necessary. We just say, Pastor, what do you need? Why? Because we're furnished for every good work and charitable donation. 
We've watched this happen over and over and over again over the last 42 years of ministry, saying, God, we know and we honor you. So whatever it takes. So, Father, today in the name of Jesus, I thank, I'm so thankful to be able to be here and to share with your people in this house. Father, we come with open hearts and minds, with a spirit of love, understanding the foundation for all of our giving is that of love. Father, we sow, not sparingly or grudgingly, but as we've made up our minds and in our own hearts we've determined. So we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.